looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post, Sunday the 17th of December. And a big thanks to Archer Park Racing, of course, present Pass the Post. And most importantly, those yielding sales just around the corner, not just the Magic Millions, but the English sales, other sales. Archer Park Racing is going to be a, a keen buyer and they want to know what you want, uh, what training you'd like, how much you want to spend. So you can lodge your expression of interest by going to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. That's very important. Big day yesterday on a number of fronts uh, right around Australia in every code too. Michael Maxworth is going to share uh, his thoughts and what happened yesterday. And it was a busy day in, in one way or another. Up this morning, I just woke up this morning thinking, you know, what a past 24 hours. Just extraordinary. We'll touch on most of that today. But clearly the highlight for me, David, was the... Result yesterday um, in Perth, Damien Oliver's final day. You just could not have scripted a better ending. Oh, it, 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 it's an often used expression, one that I don't like. But honestly, in this case, this was a fairy tale result. Yeah, amazing. It was almost like it was meant to happen and it did happen in the most nail-biting circumstances. We're about to listen to the replay of the last race of the day on the last day of the carnival, the Gold Rush. Uh, with Damien Oliver, 51 years of age, having his last ride. And he rides a horse called Munamek, a Victorian, trained by Nick Ryan, who drew the outside gate. So we'll come to that in just a moment. Of course, a big day at Eagle Farm yesterday, unfortunately interrupted by that storm activity. We'll, we'll talk about that. But also we've got a, quite a few guests to discuss the uh, the summer carnival. Uh, Lee Friedman will join us, David McCabe, Rob Heathcote, amongst others. And, of course, not only did we have great action on the thoroughbred world, but of course it was the Inter-Dominion at yeah. Albion Park last night and again a fitting result with Leap to Fame making a clean sweep of the series, won all the heats and not only won the final, owned the final. His times were spectacular. And of course, in Melbourne, it was the uh, the big slot race, the Phoenix of the Greyhounds of the Meadows. And could you believe it was won by a greyhound called Scalacci? That's amazing, isn't it? It, just, it was just meant to happen. <laughs> so uh, quite a, a memorable day. Yeah. Let's share it with you over the next hour or so. And let's go to the replay now of the Gold Rush. It was the Damien Oliver Gold Rush. And it was wide betting $6 the field. Ripcord was the favourite. And here's Darren McCauley's epic description. And Ripcord about to let rip as they'd set sail for the judge. And Munamek is trying to weave his way through the field. Red Can Man took Savage to excel. Ayrton under pressure. Comfort me. Oliver's getting through with Munamek. Ripcord's coming down the outside. Comfort me. Ripcord. It's Ripcord. Ripcord. And now Munamek. Munamek has got there. Oliver's got the run. The racing gods have spoken. It's gold, gold, gold at Ascot. Ollie goes out a winner in the gold rush. Second and third, Ripcord, comfort me. Bustler, Red Can Man, Laver Rod, Dom to shoot, Vela Road. Followed further back by Bellamy. They were followed by Resort Man, Savage to Excel and Ayrton. Next home, Hot Zed Massimo, Baby Paris and Carly's Karma. I think sometimes listening rather than watching, you'd actually experience the theatre more. But that was a, a great broadcast by Darren McCauley because Munamek wasn't going to win, but all of a sudden he was going to win in those last few strides. So 
A wonderful end of the day. Ernie Manning, of course, from the West Australian, is a long-time racing rider, has covered Perth racing for many years. He was at the track yesterday, so I thought it appropriate that he be our first guest this morning to share in the theatre and, and share his thoughts and experiences. Ernie, good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you for some time. How are you? Yes, good things, Michael and David. Um, uh, certainly a, a great day yesterday. Uh, unbelievable, really, the fairy tale of uh, Damien's uh, triple in the last three races. So the crowd just went insane. It was uh, absolutely a scripted uh, fairy tale. I said you, you've covered racing for a long, long time. Uh, that whole build-up. So, of course, things got started when he won race seven, then he won race eight. So the crowd must have been at fever pitch coming into that last race, the last day of the carnival, his last ride. It must have been, the atmosphere must have been amazing. Yes, absolutely electric. Um, uh, Divine Belief uh, was always prominent in that race and came away and won by three lengths. And then uh, Magnificent Andy, another great ride, 61 and a half. Uh, it carried, came from about ninth in the home turn. But uh, Munamek, uh, that was just one for the ages. Uh, uh, as you say, he was back in 12th position, the home turn, uh, found a way through the pack. Uh, and it was just a miracle run. So, um, and uh, the crowd um, was just beside themselves after a race. I've never seen race course atmosphere like it. And uh, Damien was just absolutely mobbed there at the end. And uh, so um, the, the, um, they'd had a guard of honour coming down to the um, parade ring for the last race, and that uh, really stirred emotions there. And uh, But uh, after the race, cheers and tears uh, just everywhere. Yeah, Ernie, I guess uh, with the win of Divine Belief uh, in race number seven, I think um, it was relief for a lot of people. I mean, it didn't matter to us punters, racegoers that have followed Damien over, what, 30-plus years if he, he didn't ride a winner yesterday. But I think it would have meant a lot to him. And when you consider he hadn't ridden a winner since Melbourne Cup Day, I think it was 30 outs until he got that win yesterday. So I think deep down he must have been under a fair bit of pressure. Yes, I went to a dinner on uh, Wednesday night and that was his main uh, theme of his talk. He just wanted to break through and ride some winners on his last day and uh, um, and that miracle came. Uh, we were worried early in the meeting because uh, horses like San Fabrizio, uh, Big Bat of Boom, Yongalas, um, those type of horses just didn't fire and uh, then um, it all just unfolded and um, that was just uh, an amazing uh, end to his career and uh, something that um, so many punters will just remember forever, those who were there yesterday. Uh, the cheering was just deafening at the end there. The uh, grandstand, uh, the was really rocking. And by the way, they've really embraced Damien on his return to Perth because um, besides naming the uh, main race yesterday, the Damien Oliver Gold Rush, they've also named the Damien Oliver Grandstand, um, which is up near the turnout of the home straight. It's a historic grandstand. It's been there since the 1880s, and um, uh, that's a very popular um, area, that grandstand. So to have Damien Oliver's name attached to it forever is just monumental. You're a good man to, uh, to answer this next question because you've been there right from the get-go when he started his riding career in Western Australia back in the, in the late 80s. One thing that strikes me about Damien Oliver, apart from being an outstanding horseman, and that's there for all to see, his his attitude or persona never seems to have changed. He's 51 years of age, but you look at him and it's still like that, that apprentice you saw riding in the late 80s, that boy-next-door attitude, that happy-go-lucky attitude. He doesn't seem to have changed at all. 
No, well, actually, I was at the Belmont Trials back there in 1988 when a new apprentice came along to take his first mount. I, I said to our photographer, I think we'd better get a photograph of uh, this young bloke because his uh, brother's the leading apprentice, uh, Jason Oliver. And uh, I called out to Damien across the fence. He was just taking out his first ride and uh, he was very obliging and um, his charisma was um, instantly recognisable. And uh, um, he uh, waited while we took the photo and then took the horse out and, um, onto the track for the trial and ran third. But um, a few days later, um, in his first week of race riding, he um, I was at clocking at Ascot and he approached me and asked if I could um, uh, write a story that he was going to ride a collie the following Saturday to just um, to let people know he was going there. And he rode in the Collie Cup, and um, that was in 1988. And um, I wrote the story to just a few paragraphs at the end of the track work story. And, uh, but I couldn't have imagined that 12 months later, from the Collie Cup to the Melbourne Cup, that's how quick his transition was, uh, he wrote 66 winners here in Perth. Yeah, it's amazing, uh, the story, Ernie, way back then. I think he was only a teenager, wasn't he, when he left Perth uh, to go to Melbourne, you know, uh, to the big smoke and linked up with one of the most powerful stables during that era. Yes, uh, he was 16 at the time. Um, his brother Jason had been riding for the Freedmans and, uh, and Damien decided to follow in Jason's footsteps and try his luck there. Uh, as he was saying on Wednesday night, um, uh, he went over there with the idea of just getting some valuable experience. And within six months, he was homesick and right on the verge of coming home. And then he wrote a double at Mooney Valley, and uh, that uh, changed everything. So he said he even went to Avoca one day and uh, got beaten on a couple of favourites. And he said he was definitely coming home after that. Yeah, exactly right. And and. Let's not uh, discount the winning performance either of Monomek and the trainer Nick Ryan because we saw this horse during our carnival up here during the winter where he performed very well. In fact, he, he won a feature race and uh, uh, it, was, it was a great ride by Oliver too. I mean, he, he, he rode for luck. The, the gaps fortunately came at the right time, but the horse also performed very well and he's, uh, he's a well above average galloper. Yes, he's won in England and uh, Hong Kong and, of course, uh, Clint Hutchison... Uh, uh, who has WA connections going back. His, um, his grandfather was a jockey here in Perth back in the 1930s, young Clint, uh, the owner of Moonamek. And, um, and then his uh, dad, Bruce, rode the WA Derby winner in the mid-60s uh, before they went to Hong Kong. And um, Clint found his way back to Australia. Um, and uh, so it's a remarkable history. And uh, um, by the way, the stewards yesterday, I think they were small sports after the... Um, big win. They fined uh, Damien $500 for having celebrated before the um, winning oh, post on the back. So, oh, I dear, oh, dear. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the media room last night about 7 o'clock and a stewards report came through and I thought, oh, gee, $500 for waving. Uh, well, he didn't even really wave. He just stood high in the saddle and, uh, and raised yeah. his whip. And, um, but the stewards, $500 fine for a legend's last ride. They should donate it to charity, otherwise they'll be roundly uh, rebuked. Ernie, look, really appreciate uh, you joining us uh, early this morning here on Past the Post. And I'm sure, as I said at the start, for a man who's covered racing for many years, yesterday is a day that I'm sure will rate very highly in your memories when finally you decide to give it away. Oh, I won't be giving it away for a while. I've done 55 years, and uh, um, so... Um, but yesterday was just outstanding. And having known the Oliver family, I spoke mm. to Pat, uh, his mum, and um, known them for a lifetime. So uh, it was just remarkable what unfolded yesterday. Good to talk. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much.
There he is, Ernie Manning joining us. And uh, yeah. he's a great man himself, isn't he? Oh, Ernie? he is. He's an absolute legend. He's been around a long time. And I was just talking to Bernie about this yesterday regarding, she said, oh, but Damien's retiring today. She said, I've grown up with him, like, mm. her whole life. And I said, well, that's exactly right. He's been my hero as a jockey, um, mm. David, since the 90s when, you know, we were footloose and fancy-free back in those days, going to the races, cheering Damo on. And, um, and in terms of sportsmen, you know, when we grow up, we've got our heroes, a lot of footballers, you know, soccer players, athletes. They have a fairly small time at the top, don't they, because mm. of their profession? But he's been a part of my life for, you know, over 30 years. And isn't it uh, wonderful that he's going out uh, on top, going yeah. out when he wanted to go? Yeah. And yesterday, just going out in the finest possible way. He ends his career riding 3,189 winners and 129 of those were at Group 1 level. I think he got it spot on too. I mean, his ability is there for all to see, an extraordinary Group 1 record over all these years. But, but for me, it was also about Damien himself, like his demeanour, uh, the way he conducted himself professionally, the way he spoke, you know, always unassuming and very likeable. And very modest as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yep, a great career ended in the best possible way at Ascot yesterday. And that completes their summer carnival. Speaking of carnivals, let's go to our summer carnival here in southeast Queensland. We were at the halfway mark yesterday. And under the BRC banner, we had the Group 3 Grand Prix and, of course, two listed races, the Gold Edition and the Burma. Let's go to the Grand Prix at the uh, the stayers distance, 2,100 metres. Felix the Scat was a well-backed favourite. By the 600 metres in the Grand Prix, Shy Guy making every post a winning post from Winsome Star. Now, Son of Deck comes out three wide. Felix the Scat just waiting on a run now as Kirikan launches four deep and Imazaki hustled along by Thompson. Five wide in Kota, six wide. In the home straight, Shy Guy gone. Tackled on the outside by Winsome Star. Then Kirikan and Kota still running on. Felix the Scat's out, but he's under pressure. It's still Winsome Star, but Kirikan and Encoder are closing strongly, particularly Encoder. One Metres left to run. Encoder on the outside, and Kirikan went by Winsome Star. Encoder strides clear, and Encoder won the Grand Prix. Encoder first, Kirikan second. Imazaki in a front over third with Winsome Star. They're followed then by, at the head of the others, was Red Defcon. Super Chris, Felix the Scat didn't run on after a perfect ride. Shy Guy knocked up, then Chase and Adam. He's last over the line, and Encoder, son of Deck, who hasn't completed the track, and Encoder last to first in the Grand Prix. Certainly was. He was the best stayer on the day. And Lee Friedman, his trainer, joins us now on Past the Post. Lee, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very well. And uh, I think it would be appropriate before we talk about Encoder just to mention, of course, a wonderful day yesterday. And I'm sure you watched that last race at Ascot with keen interest. And uh, what a result with Damien winning on Wanamek. Yeah, it was, well, you know, someone posted this morning, you know, just a goat doing what goats do. You know, he's a... Um, I backed his first. I had something on his first one because I had to go out. But I, and then later on, we all checked and he'd, he'd won the last three. So that's just incredible and a, and a magnificent ride on uh, on that horse in the last race. Just give our listeners some appreciation of a very young Damien Oliver when he arrived in Melbourne. Yeah, well, look, he was like any other teenage kid, you know, little skinny, pimply-faced little fella with a bent nose. And <laughs> we never knew where he was going to end up, but... Uh, I don't think anyone in their wildest dreams had, uh, would imagine that he achieved 
the, the uh, incredible results that he achieved over 30 years of riding. But uh, he always showed ability, even when he first came over. Uh, it was only about a month. I think uh, he was here about a month, and uh, he, he rode a double for us on a Saturday at Mooney Valley, so he was off and away then with a with a two-and-a-half-kilo claim. It was like, uh, you know, it was stealing money, really, putting him on. Mm. And what about his his uh, personality and demeanour back in those days? We just we just spoke about how professional he's always seemingly come overly, you know, in in, in interviews. What was he like back then? Yeah, pretty much. He was pretty level-headed kid. Although one one weekend he he was he was rostered on, and I, I think he disappeared for a day, and no one could find him. Uh, and uh, I think he was living he was living with me at the time. I think I stood him down for a month. Wow. He couldn't go anywhere. And uh, about two weeks into it, he, he said, oh, there's this movie I want to see at, uh, I, at, what's the name? I said, that's all right. He said, oh, so I'm right. He said, yeah, you go to the matinee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, we, were, we were just saying as well, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, he's a hard person not to like. And for all those people who yeah. watched him ride, and, and you feel like, He's an engaging person. There's a lot of ways you can describe Damien Oliver. Uh, yeah. But, but I think even a punter just watching on Sky Channel, listening on the radio, you feel like you know him even though you don't. Well, I think a lot of that's... The, he's, a, he's a real, you know, genuine... He's an Aussie mm. kid come good, you know, like, and he's, he's never been any different. And he's always had his... Um, he's always had his grounding back in Perth. He never considered Melbourne to, to really be his home because he had... So many relations and so many friends back in Perth, and I think to go back to where he where it all started for him, albeit that he, he didn't even ride for twelve months there before he moved to Melbourne, so he hasn't ridden wow. there a lot. Mm. Um, but to go back and then to deliver that, I mean, uh, I was a little bit jealous that I wasn't there yesterday afternoon because the reception they gave him after the last race yeah. sounded just extraordinary. Lee, for me. Um a moment that I'll never, ever forget is the Melbourne Cup, Doremus. Doremus, I think you brought him up here and we saw him during that winter carnival and then he went back and he won the Caulfield Cup. But Damien, on that very wet track there at Flemington, 1995, um, won by a big space. And, and the, the post-race interview, I think it was Letsy that sided si- up alongside him and he had the mud-spattered face. And I can just remember that like yesterday. Yeah, you know what he said at the time when the bloke rode up to him. I've just won the bloody Melbourne Cup. That's right, the bloody <laughs> Melbourne Cup. <laughs> he was 23, I think. Yeah, he was very young then. I've, st- I've got a um, porcelain statue that I had. I had several, but a couple of them are broken. But one of them I still got is of him on Scalacci. And and he hates me only because he's got the original nose on it. His original <laughs> nose. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what about just on that? Can you can you believe? I mean, honestly, talk about omens. Can you believe that Scalacci, the greyhound, won the big race, the Phoenix at the Meadows last night? No way! Oh well, that's great. Scalacci and, and yeah. uh, a, a grey tw- dog or what? No, yeah, no, no, not, no, no. <laughs> but I just couldn't. I can believe it. And, and you know that spoils sport, Bart Sinclair. He said to me yesterday. He said. Fancy you drawing a long bow saying it was appropriate that Lee Friedman won a group race on the day of Damien Oliver's last race. He said, that's too long a bow to draw. I don't think it is. I think it was appropriate that you won a feature race yesterday. And just on that, did had you given up on Encater after his last run or not? No, we hadn't because, uh, well, there's, there's a couple of elements came into it that we didn't trumpet but you know he's racing in those races leading up to the grand prix he, he in my mind he was a two dollar fifty shot in the grand prix 
up until his last run. All his runs were outstanding. His run of the Sunshine Coast was 60, giving away all that weight was outstanding. You know, that it had it had 2,000 metres written all over it. So, But the problem was the race before the Grand Prix, the... Uh, Eagle Way. Eagle Way. Mm. He um, he was given. He was carrying sixty. The track had just been upgraded from heavy, so it was like on the slow heavy side, and he just couldn't get traction on that. And uh, Damien was adamant. Damien uh, uh, Thornton was adamant that uh, he said, "I think it's just the track." And he said, "I'm sure he'll run the trip." And I said, "Yeah, well, I am too." But the only trouble is, I had a blood done on him on the Monday. That wasn't quite right. Uh, after the race, it sort of showed some signs of, of a post-viral picture. And not that he had a virus, but that he had a quiet little virus that had, that had resolved and he was on the on the mend. So we had to spend two weeks just trading off that and, and just restricting his work. I didn't... Um, the work I would normally give a horse for a race like that, I had to back right off him just to make sure that he was making the, the proper recovery. And um, he worked... Uh, on the Tuesday, last Tuesday, he worked 1,200 metres on the course, probably with binding, and she won on Friday at um, mm. at uh, Ipswich. And uh, and the girls have rode the rode the gallop, and both terrific riders of mine and very experienced. So they came in and they were raving about the gallop, and I thought, oh, maybe we're back, maybe we're back. I couldn't clock it because it was on the outside of the course proper, and I mean we've, we've only just, as you know, got the course proper in action, so. Um, I didn't know what time they run, but they they said to me, oh, they they got home very strong the last two, right? So then she went on the Friday and thought, oh well, maybe we are in business. So I said said to the owners yesterday morning, look, it's a bit experimental. We've had a few things go wrong, but if if the right horse turns up on the firm track at level weights, you'll probably win the race. Mm, nice patient ride, and that's exactly what happened, Lee. We haven't yeah. seen his his half brother Soothsayer, who had sort of similar form to this guy as a three-year-old, like, you know, really real winners, aren't they? We haven't seen him since the Winx Guineas during the winter. Yeah. Well, what happened there, Michael, he he pulled up rough after the Winx... Yeah. Was the Winx Guineas, yeah. He pulled up a bit rough after that. He had a... uh, He had a very bad... He's a a strange... He's a funny horse that he gets... um, Post-race, but not immediately post-race all the time. Sometimes at 20 or a half an hour uh, after the race, he goes to pieces like uh, he's having like a meltdown. And it's most unusual in horses. I've spoken to some of the older vets that I've used, and they said, yeah, we've seen it, but it's not common. And we've got a system now that we've, we've, we've put by the stewards and that that they they get him, if he wins a race, they get him to the swab. They don't take him into the swab. They just do all the work and then let, just let him go off for a walk and a hose of that, which which really helps. Anyway, he had one of those episodes after that race and uh, fibril- I think he fibrillated a bit. And then we gave him a break and brought him back in and, and he was going to be ready for these races. Like, I was getting him ready for the wave and uh, he put a little tear in a tendon. So we've been rehabbing him for about three or four months and he's pretty good. He's up to trotting in that now, so... Mm-hmm. He'll be back. Yeah, well, he was heavily back that day, wasn't he? And uh, Knight's right. Choice beat Grabini. So it's been a, yeah. a good form race. So, yeah, well, I, thought, I really thought he was over the line, yeah. so to speak, in that race because he had such great form leading mm. up to it. And he's always raced well at the sunny coast. And Anyway, wasn't to be, but I think I think he'll be back. I think he's. I think both of the, the, these young horses have, have possibly more so in Coda than Soothsayer, but I think, I think there's a really good win in one of them probably in Coda, 
I thought that was a great effort yesterday, you know. Mm. Um, might, mightn't have been the greatest field, but he was going away from them at the finish. And, of course, the Grand Prix switched to the summer. We've had five runnings of it during the summer. Not a bad thing for a trainer or an owner to have a horse that you can see win a group race during the summer, you know, can stay. So it, it sets up a good platform for, you know, the autumn or, or the winter. And horses yeah. like horses like Gypsy Goddess have won this race and Kovalika yeah. since it switched to the summer. So that's heartening as well. It is. Um, the question is what we do now. I want to have a chat with Dave during the week. Um, there was some talk about pushing on to the wave because the wave, he's a Magic Millions horse and the wave, there's a $200,000 bonus if he can win the Grand Prix in the wave. So we've got to think about that. For the main reason being, he's no good on wet tracks and if, we got, if we've got a wet winter, that may be a problem. Uh, other than that, he will be he'll be going to the paddock and uh, and being set for the Queensland Derby. Right, Lee. One more thing, I want to ask you about uh, the opening of the new turf track last Saturday week. We've only had one look at it. You've probably seen a lot of trials down there on the turf, but from that day, did you take anything away from day one of the new turf at the coast? I think uh, I think it's going to be a success. It uh, it didn't race exactly how we. We wanted it to race on the Thursday, but there's a couple of reasons for that. New, new tracks that I've seen over the years, which haven't been too many, but Packenham and and and, and the like, uh, the, for the first meeting, always very leaderish, uh, because generally, um, I don't know, it just works out that way. And it was very leaderish there last week. Plus the fact they had the grass cut very short to encourage the spread of the Kaikuya grass. Uh, and Kaikuya loves to be trimmed back, and then the, the, the leaf the leaf develops better and spreads out more, and then the runners come into play, and you, you get a really good a good strike of grass in. But I think what Navesh will do leading up to the millions, I think, uh, A, they'll put a lot more water on the track because I think it's a, one of these super draining tracks now. Mm-hmm. And, B, I think they'll run they'll run with the grass a bit longer with a bit more cushion. And, and once it settles in, I think it's going to be... I've got no doubt it'll be right up there with the best tracks in Queensland and, and, and probably anywhere on the East Coast. Just one thing before you go. We don't get the chance to talk too often, so I wouldn't want to let you go without asking your opinion about this. The decision, or not decision, but the announcement that, that Rose Hill is planned for being sold for housing development. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Well... David, I think it's an inevitability. It's the major growth centre of Sydney. That's the, that's the population centre of Sydney there. So Sydney starts around, you know, if you're looking at the centre of Sydney now, it really is Parramatta. And uh, I think it was inevitable that there'd be pressure come on them if a good deal was put to them. Mm. And we've got to sometimes take off our racing hat and look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is this: it's going to provide residences for 35,000 people. Uh, plus, a, I think a railway um, a destination, you know, like an underground underground destination, and shops and uh, commercial space and all that. So I think I think it's going to be a good deal for the New South Wales government, and it's going to be a good deal financially for the ATC, and that'll allow them to develop. I'm not sure what the plan is just yet, but I'm sure there's going to be massive development of other racing, you know, other jurisdictions within the city area or just outside the city area to accommodate those horses. But, um, you know, it's a funny thing. Uh, it's, it's 
it's five years away, they might have two changes of government by then. <laughs> you wouldn't know what's going to happen. Exactly right. Appreciate appreciate your comments and thanks for your time this morning. Always good to talk. Thanks, guys. There he is, Lee Friedman joining us this morning. Isn't he great to talk to? He is. You could just talk to him all day, all day. Yeah. You didn't like him, Carter, nor did I. No, I dropped off, yeah. Well, I'd been a fan up until then and I thought, well... But now, you know, when we put it into perspective, he did have the big way. Track probably didn't suit him. But it was great there yesterday. And as Lee rightly said, it wasn't... I don't think it was a great renewal of the, the Grand Prix, but let's just wait and see what happens. I thought uh, Waller's Kirikan was pretty good there. Regarding Felix the Scat, who just keeps on being punted, he's off to be gelded, apparently. And the other one that you mentioned in the call, their son of Deck retired from the race. Apparently no abs. They've got a vet clearance before they can start him again. Yeah, I, we often seem to say this about this, this Grand Prix race, that uh, it didn't boast a lot of quality. But then often you've got to look at these races in hindsight. And uh, yeah. Gypsy Goddess, Kovalika. So I think Encanto showed that he's a more than capable young stayer and and uh, they'll look towards the uh, the winter with him if they don't go to the wave, which is something they're going to have to have a chat about. Well, of course, uh, as I said, we had storm activity yesterday, which caused some disruption to the meeting at Eagle Farm, but we got a, a heavy downpour, and the track for the last two races was reassessed from a good four to a soft six. That played right into the hands of this next winner we're about to listen to far too easy. And the putters, they were right onto it, $2 into $1.65. Here's the replay. At the turn, 4.50 left to Rana. Military expert headed for home in front from Scalapini. Revved up to come after the leader. Then came to the outside far too easy. Ormond's launching his claim now. 11.11 is going with him. Scalapini only battling. Then came Irish Songs. Far too easy. The heavily backed commodity. About eight away from the rail. Race to the lead. Raced away. And it's a matter of times and margins, Mr Judge. Far too easy. Striding down to the line. Wins on the line by... Or five from 11-11, Irish songs. Fourth either Zushak or the big goodbye, possibly Zushak. Then Alberg, Scalapini, well back Odira, military expert. And Vinko last over the line. They took the short odds and they collected. They certainly did. And uh, it was a one-act affair with far too easy winning yesterday's Loch Ney. Trainer David McComb is on the line now. David, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. How are you? I'm well. Uh, I've had a bit to do with you during the past week. We are at Eagle Farm on Wednesday. We celebrated Flying Mickey's win after the last. And yesterday, far too easy. No bad luck, no drama. He won as expected. He won by a big margin. So I say to you, you must have woken up this morning a very contented man after the last few days. Uh, yeah, look, definitely. Um, you know, things fall into play sometimes. And this week, with, with both horses, that's... Um, that's occurred, and um, we got the chocolate, so it was great. Yeah, David, we uh, we had a bit of an interrupted afternoon with the storm activity around. Were you kind of doing a little bit of a rain dance before the race? <laughs> um, look, um, yeah, I was, actually, Michael. <laughs> I mean, the, the horse, as we know, you know, he just he loves a soft going, and... Um, Unfortunately, in quite a few previous runs, he hasn't got that. He's got some very, very fast tracks, which Ranwick on Kosciuszko Day was just very, very hard and very fast, and so was the Ramoni. Um, so um, to get a track, everything fell into place yesterday to get a track, and uh, like it was, well, I think they had 22 mils the night before. It was I knew it was perfect. I, it, it was great. Yeah. The... 
the plan is obvious now. You go to the, the Magic Millions Cup and you won't race beforehand. Interesting sidelight. Look, I, and, you know, you get it right, you get it wrong. I always thought this horse was most effective at 1,200 and 1,300, but I know you've said that 1,400 is right for him. You made a comment yesterday, uh, post-race, something Craig Williams told you when he rode him in the Magic Millions Guineas. Yeah, look, um, Craig jumped off him that day uh, when he ran fourth to King of Sparta, and he said to me, Dave, he's, he's a miler, and he said, if you ever come to Melbourne, he said, I'll ride him. He said he, said he, he, he just feels like a, a, a dead-set miler, and... And at the time, um, you know, we I it was always in the back of my mind. And I always thought we would probably get there, but we didn't want to uh, we didn't want to pursue that as a as a young horse. I just wanted to let him mature before we done that, and we're you know we've done that, and we're just about there. Gee's done well. I was just having a look at his prize money. Um, what's he up to? About almost one point three million. It must have been. Hard to miss that uh, that rich race at Newcastle, uh, the Hunter, a few weeks ago. That was a massive prize money race, and I guess David will never know where he would have finished. He, he would have uh, put everything on the line, though, because that's him, isn't it? Far too easy. He, he's 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 sort of all out all the time. Yeah, look, uh, Michael, he he does. He's you know he's he gives his all. The the race at Newcastle, you know, it's 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 always easier to look at look back at those types of races, and he's probably run second again, uh, in my eyes, because Cold Crusher got out in front. Um, it was a it was a firm track again that day, and they ran a blistering time. So you know, these these races that he's been in, um, and the Cosy the two Cosy Oscos have both been hard tracks. If they were soft tracks. You know, I've always said that, you know, he, he, would, he would have definitely made it interesting. Mm. David, congratulations on yesterday and, of course, with Flying Mickey on Wednesday as well. All is going well and we look forward to seeing this horse on Magic Millions Race Day. Yeah, thank you, guys. There he is, David McComb, joining us this morning. The trainer of Far Too Easy and not much to say about the race. Not really. I, I, I will say, and, you know, you, you, you've, you've got to call it as you see it, he won very easily. That opposition yesterday, and I stand by this, most of those horses aren't going that well. They're not, but, you know, he won it by almost five yeah, lengths. Sure. Um, but the runner-up, good to see him back 11-11. He started almost favourite in a Stradbroke, didn't he, mm. two years ago? Things haven't been going that well for him since the coast, like January of this year, where he ran second in the syndicate. But he, he looked as if he's back. I think uh, Greg's going to give him one more run before... I don't know what he's going to run in on Magic Midians Day. They've got a few options. It was the syndicate that he ran in mm. when second last year. So, But of the others, yeah, um, the big goodbye was well beaten. Scudder Petey was vetted, no abnormalities. You're right. He cl- And punters were onto it as soon as the rain came. I think he touched $1.40 at one point, far too easy. Yeah, it takes a lot of money to move a price like that in a, in a listed race on a Saturday, but such was the opposition. And once the track changed, that, yep. was, that was the real key to it. They launched and they got the money. The gold edition is one of the stepping stones to the Magic Millions Guineas, which is now only a month away. Let's go to the replay of this race. And the Rob Heathcote trained abounding was the favourite.
Avoni leads and settles the tempo. One length, Tiger Shark sitting second. Spirit of Mag, third, the box seat and abounding in a great spot. She's basically one out of one back. Then Mick Spice out of Glass of Rosé as the rain gets heavier at the halfway mark. Then Show Me Mercy, Defiant Spirit is trying to start a three and four wide runner. Sofrano travelling up on the back of Defiant Spirit. Deep respect buried in traffic a long way back. Then Mashani Renegade and Bull Comic was last. Down by the 400 metres, Tiger Shark alongside Avoni, who's got something to offer. A bounding man to go up to the pair. A gap then to Show Me Mercy. Nothing making ground from back of the field. Avoni and Tiger Shark in a duel. A bounding having difficulty getting to them. Avoni still on the inside. Is battling on strongly from Tiger Shark. A bounding and Show Me Mercy right down the outside. Here's the post. A bounding might have put in the stride from Avoni. Photo finish and Show Me Mercy right on their heels. Not sure about fourth. Bold comic Spirit of Mac were there. Sofrano, Tiger Shark knocking up late. Deep respect. Then came Glass of Rosé. Mick Spice and Mashani Renegade last over the line. Well, I was honoured to get a mention at Eagle Farm <laughs> yesterday. Not by name, but, but, but the gentleman who's joining us now was the man who made the mention uh, obliquely. Rob Heathcote joins me. Good morning. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, David, and congratulations to you. You got the photo right. <laughs> as as uh, you get them right, you get them wrong, and, and I got that wrong yesterday. I was looking at her record, and she's had 10 <clears throat> career starts, three wins and six minors, so she's missed top three once in 10. But, gee, Rob, a lot of those races, it could easily have been a win if she'd drawn better. Yeah, you're right, David. She's one of those fillies that's kind of flown a little under the radar, and she ran <clears throat> last winter carnival. You know, she ran three stakes placings in a row. And as you rightly say, if it wasn't for barriers, she wins the Bill Carter, she wins the Oxlade, you know, and she, and she rectified that yesterday with a well-deserved stakes win. So very, very happy for the team. Yeah, well, um, the tab has reacted. I think she's into $8 equal favourite with Chrysaor now, Rob, for the uh, the Guineas. It's 1,400 metres, so I guess that's another challenge for her? Well, it is, it is Michael, and you don't know until you get them there. But I think, <clears throat> as we saw in her unlucky previous run and also the run yesterday, it was the way she got to the line. And I think I should point out that Martin... Martin Harley, he was, you know, quick to point out, and, and he'd mentioned this previously, she doesn't like wet tracks. Mm. And yet she's run a second and, and won yesterday on a rain-affected track. He said he feels like her wheels are spinning, so she's a far better horse on top of the ground. She's hit the line strongly in both those last two, but you're right, we don't know if she'll get the 1,400. We certainly find out in a month's time that talking with Martin... I made mention post-race with Bernie Cooper that I may go straight to the Magic Millions now with her because she, she's a lean type of filly, very athletic, but she doesn't carry a huge amount of condition. So I think I'm going to head straight to the Magic Millions now. Give her a week off tomorrow. She can pop out, still work, not have a week in the paddock, you know, drinking those day and, and eating, but... What I'll do is give her up, give her the week off with some light work, bring her back, give her a little trial. Uh, there's jump outs at Doombin on the 2nd of January and this will take us on to the Magic Millions race. Tell us about Rothfire. Of course, he's locked in for the King of the Mountain. $2.50 on tab. They they put up $2.80. That's taken two fifty. What's his uh, plan over the next few weeks? 
He's, he basically what I just mentioned with abounding after his brilliant second to zoo style under the big waves. I popped him out to wash pool for a week, uh, just some you know water walking and a little bit of light treadmill work and a bit of sunshine on his back. I'm looking at him now as I talk to you. He'll trial on Tuesday. <clears throat> That's the 19th of doom, and, and then he'll go up the uh, up the range for the King of the Mountain on the uh, on New Year's Day. And it's a big purse, of course. Uh, um, prestigious race, only the second running of the King of the Mountain on New Year's Day, Robin. But being a, um, a Queensland bred, acute his horse, he uh, he wins his way into the Magic Millions. Tell us all about that. Yeah, that's pretty much the reason why I've targeted this race, Michael, because <clears throat> he was a homebred uh, out of Chinchilla, as we know the story well documented by the Gleasons. But so he never went through a sale. But that means that he's eligible for a wild card entry, and we've chosen the King of the Mountain because a win in this race will get him into the cutest race. And this is the main reason we targeted it. But, of course, it's not going to be easy. I mean, all that the dads was brilliant winning the uh, the Wheatwood, so shows that he could handle the track and, and was super recently with another dominant win. So he's entitled to be a second favourite and, and close to the market with, with Rothfire. What, what weight will Rothy get in that King of the Mountain? It's a set weights and penalties, and that's something that, well, it's something we do here in Queensland. I, I can't say I'm, I'm a big fan of it. He'll get 60 and a half kilos, and he's earned that. Yeah. <clears throat> but recently, uh, on, in the buffing, I'm going to retire um, Startontes because once you win a Group 1 and you pay the penalty for the rest of your life, but what they do with Melbourne and Sydney, that penalty only lasts for a period of time. Because, you know, horses find it hard when they've got to carry an extra four and a half and sometimes five and a half kilo penalty for winning a feature race. I mean, you don't give them back, don't get me wrong, but for the rest of their lives, they pay a massive penalty. Yeah, and, and how long does, when do they drop the penalty off interstate? Uh, usually one year. Okay. And, and, and it's significant, David, because <clears throat> Startontes had never won a race carrying more than 57 kilos. Mm. And she won with a light weight in the Tatsiara, but every race since then it's 58 and a half up to 61 kilos, and she simply can't carry the weight. One before, uh, and, and, and it doesn't come off here in Queensland. It does down there. No. One before you go, Prince of Boom. Uh, comes in tomorrow. I sent him out after that last run. Um, he, he, he had a cut in his mouth, which made it a little bit tricky for Michael to steer, so we popped him out to Waspool Lodge, generally lacerations in the mouth or head wounds or whatever, they heal up very quickly. So he's had a week of treadmill and water walker out at Waspool. He comes in, still still kept up to the mark. I'll put a nomination in for next week's Falvalon. I just feel the the thousand metre races, they're, they're simply going too fast. You know, they're running sub sub 34 seconds, first 600. And again, with the big weight, 61 kilos, he's finding it hard to keep up. Rob, one final question. Uh, the debut has created a fair bit of interest. Uh, we've had one running earlier this year. This year it's a bit different. There's two $500,000 races, one for the boys, one for the girls. Have you uh, uh, got a runner? Are you eyeing one of those races off or both? I'd like to, Michael. All my two-year-olds this year, every time I've give a, given them a squeeze and put a bit of pressure on, they felt their shins. So back out in the paddock, they've gone. So... I've, uh, I've struck out this year. I don't have any two-year-olds ready. 
Thanks for joining us this morning. Always appreciate your time. Thank you, David. There is Rob Heathcote joining us. I thought uh, the run of the race from a guinea's viewpoint was the third place getter, Show Me Mercy. He showed to yeah. me, he hadn't run for two and a half months, he showed to me that 1,400 metres he lead up, he really hit the line with determination. And it wasn't a fast run gold edition either. The, the, the sectional, I think it was 34 and change uh, home, so he's run really well. Yeah, there were a couple of um, good runs in it too. Um, Garnet Taylor's roughy, uh, bold comic. I don't know whether a bit of give in the ground, but this is just about turned in a career best performance. Got the blinkers on first time and really hit the line hard. Deep respect. Um, got a few mentions in the stewards report. Mashani Renegade pulled pretty hard, but you're right. Um, show me mercy. He's going to run in the uh, the Vaux Rogue. Mm. And then onto the Magic Millions fourteen hundred. Um, the market yeah. reacted with him too. Twenty six dollars down to fifteen. Is he yeah. for that race? I think Weigel Tiger at this this point he's got the proper fourteen hundred meter form. Mm. Um, might have to step it up slightly, but it's looming as a great race this year. The Guineas. He's at eleven dollars. Weigel Tiger. Let's listen to a couple other races quickly. We'll go to the second race of the day, and uh, Tony Gollan's Madame Debt was successful. In the early part of the straight, 300 left to Rana. Madame Odette with that long and searching Rana. Sprinted to a clear lead. Now can Anna McCoy and Princess Rainies get Madame Odette down? They're certainly inning to the margin. They're travelling down to the 100. Madame Odette's the leader. Now short of 100 to go. In front of Princess Rainies and Anna McCoy. Madame Odette in front and one. Beat Princess Rainies and Golan Quinella. Anna McCoy third. Then Arts Object, Fleur de Bond, followed by Uncommon Valor, Hallside Martini. A gap to Carbonetti, Cacophonix and West Cork is last. Madame Odette, third up yesterday, successful. Michael Shilgo to the wave, and Princess Rainies, who was good in second, goes to the shootout in a fortnight's time at Doombin. Yeah, and Anna McCorey, third, uh, only having his fourth start. I thought he was quite good. Fleur de Mon, four. So the market got a spot on there. $3 favourite beat $3.10, 5 50 and 12 So the top four in the market, Renner, one, two, three, four. And speaking of the market getting it right, it got a bang on in the first race. Let's have a listen to the replay. Lincoln's got the lead, but Amityville is going to possibly prove a danger on the outside. Short of 200 left to Rana. Wheeler pulled the persuader on Licker. It's the leader. Amityville is trying out. 100 to go. Licker's in front. Favourite baggers, you're happy now. You're happy. Licker. Licker was logical. Beat home Amityville and Invinovich. Cat Chitter not too far away. Why did never say nay in Red Zeus, putting in pleasing efforts. Then came Ski Lord, Rasheen, Chakara and Dutch Gold. Whipped them in. Licker, a short course specialist, that's her caper, a thousand metres at Eagle Farm, and uh, she's in good form this campaign. Ah, uh, she is. Uh, that's her go. I thought she was great yesterday. She had to sit outside the leader. I think most of us thought that she'd ping lead. So there's another side to her. Amity Gow was good, fresh up too. Um, she is positively in fold to better than ready. So um, picking up a, a good second placing there with Invinovich back in third. Speaking of Tony Gollan, um, unfortunately, Barbie's sister who won the Callaway Gal. She has a bone chip in her knee, so she's been taken out of the market for the Magic Millions. She's going to have surgery shortly to remove it, so hopefully she can get back on song um, next year. That's a blow. She was an $11 chance in the Magic Millions. Let's go to our final replay at Eagle Farm yesterday, the last race of the day.
500 left to run. Jenny's done everything right. Can he do it all the way? Turns into the straight in front. Quality time given. Full bore on the outside. As Military Gambler swings wider. Russo even deeper. June 45 came off the bed. Ninth choice under some pressure. Trying to make ground. And Great House near the inside. The field starts to level up. Jenny's in front. On the outside, quality time. Down the outside, Russo. The Military Gambler. Ninth choice getting through towards the inside. There's a wall of them here. Jenny is still in front. He's trying to hold on. Ninth choice is driving late and Great House along the inside. Photo finish. Great House came with a big run in a camera with Jenny and Knight's Choice between them. Fourth over the line, I think June 45. Not far away, Russo. Then quality time and military gambler last over the line. Martin Harley replaced Ryan Maloney here who couldn't ride yesterday and scooted along the inside to grab a, a very narrow victory, a short off head victory. A horse, I must admit, I couldn't have backed. No, no. I, I, I thought his first two runs back from a spell were encouraging and doing the form on, on Friday for this race, I felt, oh, he just wants further, um, 2,400. But maybe um, down to the soft six yesterday, he's, you know, he's an older stayer these days. He obviously relished that. Martin switching him back to the inside. It was an exciting finish to um, what was a good day's racing, David. There wasn't a lot in it at the end. June 45, he did drift in the market when the rain came, didn't he? And mm. I think his performance showed that he is better up on top of the ground and he was a bit dour at the end. I think it's a fair comment to say at the 100 metres, there were seven runners in the race. Yeah. One of the seven could have been hailed a possible winner. Yeah. They were across the track. That was yesterday. Next week, of course, we go back to Eagle Farm for the Group 3 Bruce McLaughlin for the two-year-olds, another... Stepping stone towards the Magic Millions, the listed Burnborough and the listed Falvalon and the City to Surf Plate. Let's take a break on Past the Post. Back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Michael Maxworthy. And Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing, their website, archerparkracing.com.au. They'll be at all of the yearling sales and you can be part of the action. Let's go to Albion Park last night and uh, a great crowd was there to see the Inter-Dominion Pacing Grand Final and the Trotters Grand Final. The first time we've had uh, the Inter-Dominion at Albion Park since 2001. The first time in Queensland since 2009. Here's the action of the Pacers event with Chris Barsby. Down the Trump Bloodstock back straight, final time. Leap to fame, just extending the lead. Margin five metres. Hart is hard at work. Is there a beat there with Swayze? Future assured, sitting third. Better Eclipse 1 1. Turn it up down on the inside. Spirit of St. Louis Narano. Speak the truth, chased up. Classy Washington. Pete said so. Canina Provlima. Our Money Rocks is at the tail. The world is watching. They're watching for Larry. And he's opening up here. He's going for a Dixon right. Right here, right now, leap to fame. He has exploded away. Margin is over 12 metres. Future assured Swayze. Better eclipse to the outside. Leap to fame. Leap to fame. Operation Inter-Dominion complete. And it's all Larry. Leap to fame bolts in. What a moment for Dixon. Leap to fame. Better eclipse Swayze. Spirit of St. Louis. Next over the line. Speak the truth. Narano. Canina Problema. Pete said so. Our money rocks. Back towards the tail. Future assured classy washington turn it up the final split 27.7 the pelican waters resort mile rate it would have to be a new world record 153.6 yeah it was actually 153.5 when it was adjusted the overall time 
3.9.1. He ran his last mile in 1.51.2. Michael, I know you're more of a thoroughbred man than a harness man, but I can tell you those figures mm. are world-shattering. And it was so exciting off the arm through the first quarter. With mm. uh, You could clearly see the cat-and-mouse tactics going on at that point, and it ended up being a, a masterful drive by Grant Dixon. Yeah, congratulations to Grant. He's a man who shows little emotion. He lets yeah. his deeds do the talking, but... When you saw that whip flourish, yes. uh, it was a great moment. That was, the, that was the money shot for me. You know, the last couple of strides, his face just changed. It had this big smile. Uh, the sky camera was on on Larry and and that, um, yeah, just he just raised the right hand as if to say, you know, we've done it. And uh, he did. He was quite emotional, wasn't he, when he spoke to Brittany after the race? I hope the stewards didn't find him for oh, $100. Dear, oh, dear. <laughs> like that in no, Damien Oliver. Surely not. Kevin and Kay Seymour was their second Inter-Dominion victory, of course, coming up trumps with Mr Feelgood in 2009. So they've been uh, wonderful supporters and ambassadors for harness racing and uh, for them to win that race last night, I'm sure meant a lot. Let's go to the Trotters Grand Final and Just Believe was considered past the post, so to speak. Here's the replay. Going down the Trump Bloodstock back straight. Here's the move from Queen Elida. Mufasa Metro leads the way. Margin is a neck on Just Believe. Queen Elida slips up to third, but she's off the track. Sir Fahrenheit just dropped the bit there. Between runners, funny face. Plymouth Chubb, he needs racetrack to work with. He's trying to work one off. Olivici deeper. Gus Van Sank, the best bourbon. Adele, Majestic Lavros, third quarter. 27.8 at the top of the lane. Just Believe, Just Believe takes over. Mufasa Metro's trying to rally. Queen Elida can't reach them. Don't stop dreaming. Just keep believing. He's going to make history here. Just believe. Race is clear. What a horse. What a moment. He's done it again. Just believe. Mufasa Metro. Queen Elida. The best bourbon up for fourth. Next in, Sir Fahrenheit. Plymouth Chubb Olivici. Funny face. Van Sank. Majestic Labros. Gus. And at the tail, Adele. Final split, 28-2. The Pelican Waters Resort mile rate, 150. 59.2. Yeah, just believe, simply too good, uh, a world-class trotter for Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars. Michael, thanks for your time this morning. Look forward Thank to you, Dave. Being, look forward to seeing you next week. Yes, uh, look forward to that. Michael Maxworthy joining us. And, folks, thanks for your company as we go out on Past the Post. Let's have a listen to the big greyhound race at the Meadows on last night, the Phoenix, and one, as we said, so over... No, I'm trying to get this word right. It was the biggest over in the world, anyway, that Scalacci... A horse that Damien Oliver had so much success on, success on, the Greyhound version wins the race. Have a good day. The Phoenix for 2023. They're set. Racing. Even line. Speed out from Hector Fall. He's got early speed. Past the back trying to go with it. Scalacci's got across. Alpha Zulu took a tumble. The leader was Scalacci. It's three or four clear from Postman Pat on the inside of Hector Fawley. Out deep, big energy. Next in the field was past the back. Miles off the lead. Wow, she's fast. And Jay is Jay. But Scalacci, four in front. Postman Pat's roaring home. Scalacci all out. Postman Pat, Scalacci! Scalacci won the Phoenix and beat Postman Pat. Hector Foley ran third. Fourth in was, wow, she's fast. What a beauty. Next in was Big Energy from past the buck. J is J. Alpha Zulu was collected. It's 29 and 89.